Showtime. Thank you, and welcome to my Halloween special. Tonight, prepare yourself for a night of spooks and scares. This is the Bold Nonsense Podcast. The Mental Defective League in formation. With Ad Walsh Disney. How's it hanging? I'm David Pumpkins. And I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. Any questions? your ears for a truly horrifying performance. At Still Smooth Productions. Let's put a smile on that face. Damn it, Creed. I've been up since four. And the man you know as the smartest idiot in the world. Won't they be impressed? I am a genius. See how I transform this old rat into a most delightful hat. At St. Bale's. Sweet stem, dude. Where are you supposed to be? Dave. Cool. Killer beware, you're in for a scare. I have three simple rules. Don't be offensive, don't be cliche, and don't take the first two rules too seriously. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome in, Senseless. Welcome in, uh, everybody. Welcome in, the new, the returning. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Bold Nonsense Podcast. The red light is on. Red light means stop thinking. Get a little senseless with us. Uh, It is 10-30-2020. Happy Halloween to everybody. We hope you enjoyed the Halloween intro. Yeah. Threw that one at you. We like to celebrate the holidays here uh, just as much as we hope you all want to. And we know it's kind of a crazy year, but we hope you do something fun. Anyway, even that's if that's at home, watching some awesome Halloween movies and, uh, you know, chowing down on some candy. So, you know, just celebrate however you can. Have a good day with it. So, happy Halloween. We hope you, you have a good one. And we hope you enjoy episode 133. Um, at least... I do. Smooth has gotten caught up, so he won't be here this week. So you have me. I'm at Walsh Disney, happiest host on earth. Cause I'm all alone. There's no one here beside me. My problems have all gone. There's no one to deride me. But you gotta have friends. Stop singing! I thank you for being with me. Once again, and uh, I'm really excited for this week. We've actually got a good amount of stuff to talk about, so we're not going to get too on this date this week or random thoughts. You know that always sounds like you're you're 
a crazy person, tinfoil hat guy. Um, so what we will do is dive straight into trivia. Trivia! Trivia! <laughs> trivia, baby! Oh. <laughs> Jeopardy. Gonna make that your final answer? You think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? Last week's trivia question went like this. Who was the first MLB player, MLB player, to have his number retired? And what number was it? That what number was it was just kind of a bonus. Really, we wanted who was it, and it was 3-2-1. It was Lou Gehrig. One of those big names that uh, all, all MLB fans should know. Lou Gehrig, it was the number four. Kind of an odd number. It's actually why I threw it in. It's not, not, I don't want to say odd number, but just not the one you would expect, I feel like. So Lou Gehrig, number four, uh, on July 4th, of course, 1939. Uh, during the now famous Lou Gehrig Day making him the first major league player to enjoy such an honor. Gehrig will forever remain the only player in Yankee history to have worn number four because his number was retired only two months after his final game. Now you're smarter. Let's see how smart you are, though, with this week's trivia question, which goes like this. Where are the two golf balls astronaut Alan Shepard hit on the moon? Yeah, that's not just pure sports. That's got everything for you. Some science, some pop culture, some sports to it. Where are the two golf balls astronaut Alan Shepard hit on the moon? Find out on episode 134 while we move to the news. I've just been handed an urgent news story and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is the fucking news. News, 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 news. We're news too. Only news told much later. See the game last night? Which game? Any of them. Passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite. Fantastic. I am so sorry. Someone put the story in all capital letters and I, I thought I was supposed to yell it. In the news, we actually have a decent amount to talk about in the NFL because a lot of stuff is happening, uh, including the trade deadline, which ends on Tuesday, I believe. Uh, but first, the Ravens have signed veteran, 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 as many times as you can say veteran, Des Bryant, um, old veteran, older statesman, uh, senior discount veteran, Des Bryant. He has been signed to the practice squad, but you know, that's not going to be, that's going to be kind of a uh, hollow practice squad thing. Really, it's giving him a chance, seeing what he's still got. I think this, a lot of this has to do with red zone stuff. Uh, that's where you'll see him for, for the most part. Red zone, uh, think back corner of the end zone, those kinds of things. We can just kind of throw it up there. Um, other than that, possession receiver possessions uh third down and long deep end those kinds of things those will be des bryant specialties if he actually you know uh keeps his nose clean which he's you know i think he will and this is the big one if he can still play let's move on to the seahawks speaking of the trading deadline the Seahawks have traded for defensive end Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals. The Bengals get 
center BJ Finney and a seventh round pick in return. Carlos Dunlap, uh, he's, you know, he's on the, the 17th or 18th hole of his career, but he's had a really good one. One of those players that if he hadn't played for the Bengals, a lot more people would know. Uh, but, you know, since he plays for the Bengals, he kind of gets lost in, in the shuffle and the um, lack of success that the Bengals have had through for their organization. And he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. kind of frustrated that a lot of younger players, that's what the Bengals are doing right now, though. He's a veteran in a locker room with a lot of younger players. And he was frustrated he wasn't getting the snaps. Thought he could still play. Wanted out of there. And he gets out of there. The Seahawks on their end get a guy who, let's let's be honest, hopefully gives them pass rush because they do not have any as of this point. Uh, Jamal Adams is their leading sack producer. And I believe he has two sacks on the season. So never good. Going, uh, sticking with the trade deadline. These are the only two major trades. Not a lot of action on the trade deadline as of yet. Um, a lot of that, you know, COVID protocols and salary cap. No one really knows what's going on, so they're afraid to make trades like this. So nothing big was ever going to happen, but these are mid-level moves. Uh, the last one we have to talk about is the Lions trading for Everson Griffin. The Cowboys get a conditional sixth-round pick. That could go up to a fifth, but right now it's a, it's a sixth for Everson Griffin. Uh, Everson Griffin coming from the Vikings to the Cowboys. Didn't do a whole lot there, just like the rest of that Cowboys defense, let's be honest. And the Lions are hoping that they get somebody on the other side of Romeo Aquara. And with, that allows uh, Flowers to kind of play the role that he was playing in New England. Instead of being more of a pure outside pass rush kind of guy, that's what the Lions need. He's able to go from end to three technique and kind of just be a versatile player like he was in New England. That's more of his role. And the Lions will hopefully be able to unlock Flowers, Griffin, and Romeo Aquara keeps getting pass rush. Maybe the Lions are, are you know, they're, they're getting, they're starting to round into to form here. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see if the Lions can finally, finally put it all together. We will see that later in One Thing in a Winter. Uh, let's move on to the NBA. The Jazz owners, the Millers, are selling the team after 35 years of ownership. They're selling it to, who else? A tech billionaire. That's what seems to happen uh, pretty much in every sport uh, uh, right now. But the it, it's interesting, you know, with the the Jazz have been kind of in a, this funk, is really the only word I can think of, over the past couple years. Kind of that can't get over the hump team. Um, little brother to the Nuggets team is how I've kind of felt about them for the past couple seasons. And plus, they've had, a, there's been rumors, I guess is the best way to put it, of kind of the culture around the team and in the fan base. And I think it was just kind of time for, for new a new vibe there. And this hopefully sparks that. The Rockets have hired Mavs assistant Steven Silas as their new head coach. I actually, re- I, I kind of like this. Take a chance on an assistant who's been a longtime assistant under a team that has the same mold I guess, or maybe it's a different mold, but it's the same clay, I guess, as as the Rockets. 
they're a little bit smaller. The way they play, you can. It, it's not. Uh, it's not too big of a jump to see the Mavs to the Rockets or the Rockets to the Mavs. The Rockets are the far, far end of what the Mavericks want to do and have honestly gone too far in that direction. Hopefully, getting a Mavericks guy in there brings them back towards the middle and more towards the efficiency that the Mavericks seem to have a little bit more of, especially still running it through one great player like they do in Luka Doncic and hopefully the Rockets will or want to do with James Harden. And the last story in the NBA, the Nets have hired Mike D'Antoni as an assistant under Steve Nash. This I like. Uh, I, I believe we've been on the uh, been on this show before talking about how Steve Nash really doesn't have much of a chance there, especially with you know the two major stars that he has and the the way they. They tend to approach coaching and the game and how they think of themselves. He He's fighting an uphill battle. Mike D'Antoni will help him a little bit, give him some, um, some power behind the voice and just kind of guide him a little bit. And you, you always like that. In baseball, the Dodgers won the World Series for the first time in 32 years. They beat the Rays. Uh, and it was a very exciting series, actually, with just a lot going on. Uh, Corey Seager won the MVP. I thought that uh, my initial reaction, I kind of thought that they'd give it to Kershaw just because of you know storylines and everything. But the Corey Seager just played so well. I mean, he was a clutch hitter, moving spots, and he his ability to hit for power and move people around. You know, it helps having Mookie in front of you. His ability to to move people around and just get jobs done. And that's the thing that the Dodgers had over the Rays. And this is how the Dodgers adjusted because this is how they used to always lose. The Rays came in. It was all home runs, never adjusting, never playing. Uh, They were more aggressive on the base base paths. I liked that. But in terms of at the plate, they don't adjust. They don't try and get jobs done. They never switch from analytics to more old school, get a job done baseball. The Dodgers hadn't been doing that this year. I feel like they finally flipped that switch and really got into more situational baseball when they needed it. And uh, here you go. It also helps to not have people cheating all over the the, the MLB. Uh, the it's just I don't know. I feel like you can't be mad at the Dodgers here, or uh, you can hate the Dodgers, but they have a lot of a great team. Like a lot of people, I know a lot of people that hate the Dodgers just because they've been the Dodgers for so long. Uh, But the individual pieces, Kershaw, Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Bellinger, Turner, who we'll talk about in a minute. Those people, they're all seem pretty like pretty good guys. Dave Roberts. I like Dave Roberts a lot. Um, And I think you have to feel good for the Dodgers. They were easily the most affected team by the cheating scandals that happened in baseball. And once that gets cleared up, here are the Dodgers, and it kind of makes you think of what could have happened had that had those things, the the individual pieces, the individual tactics of that cheating scandal on multiple teams, and really it was widespread uh, before it became such a, a a hot issue. It was widespread. What would have happened had 
that cheating scandal not happened? What would the Dodgers' success look like had they been playing on an uneven footing? It's just one of those things I think we'll think about for a while. But the Dodgers finally get it. Kershaw, uh, he finally gets his. So he gets out of the club of um, all-time greats that never won the title. And he, in his uh, march to win this title, he also broke Justin Verlander's postseason strikeouts record after getting his 206th. That's a lot. So I, I think the narrative that he is not a postseason pitcher is pretty much dead after this year. And it's one that I've never had any ill will towards Clayton Kershaw. I kind of like seeing it go. And I've been told multiple times I look like Clayton Kershaw. So another reason I like to see this narrative get out of here. He's one of the all-time greats. He needs his his uh, just desserts, I guess. Is that, that That's the thing. That's the saying. I just don't know if I'm using it right. A couple other storylines from that World Series. Getting a lot of heat on the race side for taking out Blake Snell. Think it's warranted. But this is what happens. This is what happens when analytics analytics give you no room and don't care for the athlete. You No number tells you when a guy's on a hot streak. No number tells you when a guy's feeling it. No numbers are going to tell you if a guy gets nervous in the spot and when a guy doesn't, like Snell did. Snell was feeling it. And that's, and that's when a manager fails. It's when he fails to see, is a guy feeling it or is he not? Like everybody wants to say, well, Dave Roberts did the same thing. He took out Clayton Kershaw when he was doing okay. But he wasn't feeling it. His breaking ball wasn't, he didn't have his best stuff that night. It's not like he was dealing the best he has all season and they still took him out because the analytics told him to. No, he was grinding his way. He was hard-hatting his way through a good start, and he got that win. But Blake Snell was dealing. He was feeling it. That's the difference. And that's when that's when that's what the manager is there for. And a lot of front offices have taken that away from the manager. It's the manager's job to try and fight back against that. Uh and and he didn't. And he didn't. And it, and it cost him and it cost him immediately. So do I favor blasting this manager? Absolutely. Find some stones. And then the last thing is Justin Turner. Justin Turner, uh, during the final game of that series, found out he, he had COVID-19. They took him out. Uh, they isolated him. The Dodgers ended up winning that game and winning the World Series, and he went back on the field, and the MLB tried to get him off the field, and he said no, and the Dodgers said no, and the Dodgers teammates said, we had to have him out there. He has to be able to celebrate with us. And uh, I don't know about any of you. I would do the same thing if I was Justin Turner. Yeah, maybe I would try and stay away from people a little you know, keep my mask on. That I that I do agree with that he shouldn't. His mask should have been on the whole time. Uh, but I would do the same thing, man. That that you don't know how many of these are coming. And if your teammates are cool with it and your organization's cool with it, I would definitely be out there. I would definitely be out there. So I I can't blame the guy. I felt really bad for him when I thought he didn't get to celebrate with his team. 
Felt really bad for him. I'm glad he got to. And the last thing, I just want to put it out there that the Masters is in two weeks. The Masters. And we're going to get really hyped for this. Uh, Smooth and I on Wednesday took an awesome trip with... uh, it was the two of us. It was my my dad, my uncle. We went out to Eastern Oregon, found some beautiful, beautiful weather, and played an awesome course. Uh, we'll probably talk about that eventually when when Smooth back, maybe next week in the run up to the Masters. But yeah, that was an awesome, awesome trip, and we are very excited. Us golf guys are very excited for the Masters, and that's coming in a couple weeks. With that, that's the news. Now I want to get to one thing in a winner. I only got one thing to say to you. Who do you think you are? I am. You had one job. Just the one. Because I'm here. This is bullshit. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean shit. I hope I win. One thing and a winner. Last week's results. Week's, week seven results. Where are you in week eight? That's crazy. Week seven results. Bales, seven and seven. He expects better of himself. We all know this. Uh, Smooth and myself, 10 and four. And the captain, one game better at 11 and three. Uh, it's been it's a close race. We can feel that. I don't. Eh, little teaser for next week. Next week is the, the halfway results. Halfway results, half season results of one thing and a winner. Uh, you guys know how weirdly, seriously, we take that. So definitely listen to that one. Uh, it's going to be hilarious and fun to go over those results. It's close. That's all I can tell from every week's results. But let's get to this week. Last week, Thursday night football, we always start one thing and a winner by reacting to Thursday night football, where the Falcons took down the Panthers. Falcons go to two and six. Panthers fall to three and five. Um, myself and Bales went ahead and took the, the Falcons in that one. It's hard to beat a team uh, twice in the same year in football. And these teams, you know, the Falcons are kind of ascending. I think the Panthers, everybody's saying the Panthers are like falling, like they're becoming terrible. Uh, the Panthers are where they are. They're going to lose some games they should win. They're going to win some games they shouldn't win. And they're going to be very competitive because it's a building franchise who is definitely going in the right direction. A lot of people are kind of uh, upset with Rule and some of his decision-making. He's a first-time NFL head coach. Joe Brady's a first-time NFL offensive coordinator. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater, who's trying to revive his career, and I think he's doing a hell of a job. They're trying to. Their defense is filled with with rookies who are learning the game. Everybody's trying to learn the NFL game in that organization. New ownership. Give them some time. They are way ahead of where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be, basically, they were supposed to be the Jets of this year. And they are three and five light years ahead of where they're supposed to be in their rebuild, in their development. That's what you got to love. All those other little intricacies, those decision-making things, those will come. And you got to give head coaches time, just like you have to give young quarterbacks time to adjust and to learn. Calm down on Matt Rule and the Panthers. But the Falcons win it. They're definitely ascending. Uh, It sucks to see Calvin Ridley go down, but Julio came back strong. 
Uh, Matt Ryan with a rushing touchdown, but some of his throws look like he is definitely getting older. So that'll be very interesting to, to see what they do in uh, during draft season. Uh, but let's get two games that have not happened yet. Let's pick some games. Starting with the Vikings at the Packers, one and five versus five and one. Who do you think we all took? We all took the Packers. Uh, the Vikings seem to be in a down spiral right now, and they don't seem to have answers. And that's that's a crazy thing. Uh, at least like the Falcons. Their answer was fire the head coach and get new energy. What are the the Vikings just gave Zimmer an extension. What are their answers? I don't know. But we all took the Packers. Titans 5 and 1 at Bengals 1 5 and 1. I think this game will be weirdly oddly unexpectedly close because that's what the Bengals do this year and that's what Joe Burrow carries them to. But I can uh, but the Titans are going to win. Maybe the score seems closer than the game actually does. I don't see the Titans having to sweat for this win. How are the Bengals going to stop the run game? I don't see it. Titans take it, and all four of us believe the Titans take this one. Jets 0-7 at Chiefs 6-1. and We all took the Chiefs. The Jets are a garbage, disaster, disgrace. Colts four and two at Lions three and three. Here's a split for you. Bales and myself are going to take the Colts. The captain and Smooth are going to take the Lions. The Lions are playing really well right now. We just t- kind of teased it with the Everson Griffin thing, but the Colts—they're starting to get the run game going slowly. And Darius Leonard is back for that defense, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. Kind of frees up the back end to play a little bit better coverage. It'll be a close one. It'll be a nail-biter because it's the Lions playing. But I think the Colts take it. And I think it'll be the defense that does it. Steelers 6-0 at Ravens 5-1. This is the game. This is a huge game. This is going to be really fun. Um, Myself, the captain, Bales, Steelers side. Bunch of Yinzers. Smooth, Baltimore guy. He's taking the Ravens. Um, the Ravens are really good off of a bye. I believe Harbaugh's 10 and 2 off of a full bye week. So that's that bodes very, very well for Baltimore. How do you fix not being able to throw the ball? I think they'll have some shot plays put in that are specifically designed to beat the coverages that the Steelers like to play. But how do you consistently, consistently throw the ball when you don't have accuracy on your side? You don't, that's not what your offense is built on. You've proven that you can't just get in a drop back game. And I think the Steelers defense creates that, makes it a drop back game for, for Lamar Jackson. I don't want to just put it on Lamar Jackson, but... But they make the Ravens drop back pass, and that's not what they want to do. None of them want to do it, and I think the Steelers make them do it. Um, it'll be a really close one. And I, the kind of the, the crazy thing about this game and the good news about this game, the Steelers are 6-0. and They're the only undefeated team left. The Ravens, Ravens are 5-1. and If the Steelers lose, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. 
The Ravens were off a bye. The Steelers were actually supposed to be uh, off a bye for this game. That everything got screwed up by the Titans. So uh, they they ended up having a hell of a schedule trying to catch back up and everything. So it's you kind of give the Steelers a pass if they lose this one. It doesn't really tell them. Doesn't really tell you anything about the Steelers if they lose. It doesn't tell you much if they win. So the Steelers are kind of they're staying neutral. If the Ravens win, it doesn't really tell you much about them either. If they lose, however, this could be getting concerning, and especially in the fashion. You'll have to see the fashion that the Ravens lose. But really, only a Ravens loss will tell you anything about the team. Everything else is just kind of, we're just watching a great game with house money. So that'll be fun. Rams, 5-2 and two at Dolphins, 3-3. Three and three. Bales is the only one taking the Dolphins. He's a big Tua guy. Pretends he's a big Bama guy, even though he's not. But he he lo- loves Tua, so he's going to take them. I think Aaron Donald wrecks the Dolphins. And so does Smoove in the captain. Patriots, 2-4 and four at Bills, 5-2. and two. This is a little bit concerning with the Patriots basically on their last legs. We're all taking the Bills. The Bills need to do it. This is the step. There are certain points when you're rebuilding and you're trying to become the top dog in a division. There are certain moments where you're just like, if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it. You're never going to do it. And this is that moment. If the Bills don't win this game, they're never going to take control of this division. Ever. It'll just be four teams fighting for it. If the Bills win this game... And they keep keep it rolling, then they could definitely take control of the division. They need to do it now, and we all think they can. Raiders three and three at Browns five and two. I'm the only one who's going to take the Browns here, and that's kind of crazy based on my history with the Browns and Baker Mayfield. But I'm going to be the only one that takes the Browns against the Raiders. The Browns can still run the ball. The Browns can can run the ball. I think that. Maybe maybe Baker found something last week, uh, an, an, a confidence of when we get off schedule in the run game, when we don't consistently get three, four, five yards in the run game. If we get into a, a third and five, a third and six, Baker's got a confidence now that says, I can get us out of that. I don't want it to do it 15 times a game, but seven times a game, I can get us out of that. And that'll lead him to the win. Raiders side of the ball. I think the Raiders are playing really well. I think these. I, th- I think the Raiders are one of the better mediocre teams, and that kind of doesn't make sense. But their mediocre record. I think they're much better than their record actually shows. But the Browns are. I would say the Browns and Raiders are kind of neck and neck. The Raider, the the records don't show that, but. Browns and Raiders, neck and neck. I think it'll be a, a close fight. The Raiders have Derek Carr playing very aggressively and really well, especially when Ruggs is back. He, he's willing to take shots down the field. It's kind of opens everything up. And the defense on the defensive line is getting better. They just have too many gaps. They just have too many gaps. And I think the Browns exploit some of those. 
Chargers two and four at Broncos two and four. This is going to be the most exciting game between two and four team two two and two 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 and four teams that we've seen in a, a long time. Like you're gonna, I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks here, and you're going to want to get your eyes on this game. Where you all picked the Chargers? Me, I it's just because I I'm like kind of a fan, a little bit of a fan out here of Justin Herbert. Uh, you know, went to Oregon, Oregon guy, we're Oregon guys, so we're going to roll with the Oregon guy. How many more times do you think I could say that? Probably not not many. Uh, but this, the Broncos have a, a nice defense still, so we could all be wrong here, but we're going to die on that hill. We're just going to choose to. Saints 4-2 and two at Bears 5-2. and two. Bales is the only one to take the Bears. I don't know if he just doesn't believe in the Saints or he doesn't believe in Drew Brees or if it's the weather that he's concerned about for the Saints. The rest of us just don't believe in the Bears or believe in fools or Nagy, especially me. You know that by now if you're listening. So uh, we all took went against them. Bales is going to stay on his own with the Bears. 49ers 4-3 and three at Seahawks 5-1. and one. Here is another split. The captain and myself are going to take the Niners. Bales and Smooth are going to take the Seahawks, and I definitely see both sides of this. Just think that the Niners, if they can get the edge consistently on the Seahawks, then that's going that's going to ruin the Seahawks' plan because they can keep the ball out of Russell Wilson's hand. So I think they do that, and defensively, they're starting to they're starting to get to it. And these linebackers are so fast that I think they make a at least one play in the passing game. I'm talking turnover here. One play in the passing game, maybe even a couple. And I think they make a couple plays in the pass rush game. Cowboys 2-5 and five at Eagles 2-4-1. and one. Bales is going to take the Cowboys because he's an insane person. We're all going to take the Eagles because uh, at least they've got a quarterback. But that game's a mess. And then Monday Night Football... Bucks five and two at Giants one and six. It's the Bucks. We're all taking the Bucks because the Giants aren't good and the Bucks super are. Uh, there you go. That's one thing in a winner. Real quick picks. Just give you one thing, maybe a couple of things generally, but just give you some things to think about while you're watching the game and definitely tell you who's going to win. And I'll tell you, if you're a betting man, if you're a betting person, and you're listening to this. We're all above, well above 50% in our in our game picks. So if you just took us on the money line, you'd be doing okay. That's all I'm saying. Think about it while we go to fantasy football talk. No one cares! But y'all don't say that. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. There you go. Thank you, sir. There you go. There you go. There you go. Fantasy talk. So here we like to give you the people to keep an eye on, or people, we just like to make sure you're aware who's not playing, who might not be playing, and who probably will be playing, but could not play, we don't know. And that is with people who are out, doubtful, and questionable. Let's start with out, because there's actually a lot of them, and a lot of them are big names. These people are not, are officially out for the Sunday slate of games. We don't know about Monday yet, but this is for Sunday. Sammy Watkins is out. Michael Thomas, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Julian Edelman, Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel, Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Miles Sanders. They are all out already. 
doubtfuls. Mark Ingram, Jameson Crowder, Carlos Hyde, and Allen Robinson. And then people who are questionable. So these people you definitely have to keep your eye on. Dalvin Cook seems like he's more of like a probably will play. But Dalvin Cook, just give it a a second glance uh, before you set your lineups for sure. And Chris Carson, that one's definitely 50-50, if not more towards not playing. So keep your eye on that one, on the Chris Carson one. He could kind of try and sneak up on you. And then we like to give good matchups and bad matchups. I'll start with the bad. I like to start with the bad. Get it out of the way and then end on a positive note. So here are some bad matchups. Don't love for this week. And it's not that you shouldn't start them. It's just that you shouldn't expect them to outdo their, outdo their projection. Think a couple points down. That's Kenny Galladay. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I think, maybe takes a step back against the Colts. That's Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry's been banged up. He's kind of got to shift into that number one role now. How many weeks does that take the Browns to figure out? Jarvis Landry could have a bad one. And then George Kittle. George Kittle against the Seahawks. They're so familiar with each other. George Kittle has kind of been held slowed down against the Seahawks uh, in previous years. More toward, instead of in the 15 range that he generally goes to, more towards the 9 range in his points. Uh, and I think that has to do with, you know, Bobby Wagner and Wright up there in Seattle. So there's some bad matchups. Some good ones, though. How about Tyler Boyd for the Bengals against the Titans? He is the true number one there. He's got a good two, but he is the true number one in, in, in Cincy. Tannehill on the other side of the ball. Tannehill playing the Bengals. Go ahead and start him. All Chiefs playing the Jets. All of them playing the Jets. The Jets are a team that effort and run blitzes can stop a running team. So they might not run the ball as much, although I still think they'll be very successful because the Jets like to cram the middle and the Jets are an, the Chiefs are an outside team. Um, but receivers in the pass game, much harder to stop. You need real athletes and talent there, and the Jets don't have anything that, resu- that, that even resembles that. J.K. Dobbins. We talked about how the Steelers-Ravens game is going to go. I think the Steelers stopped the run game, so you got to pass somewhere. I think it ends up being underneath. Think of how the Chiefs did it. Dobbins had a decent day that day because he was catching most of the passes. I think he does that again. And Gronk. The Giants don't have anybody to stop Gronk. No safeties are big enough. Their linebackers are too slow, even with old Gronk. He's starting to get back into it. I think he has a pretty good matchup. That's your fantasy talk, and that is episode 133. Wanted to keep it roughly about half an hour, a little bit over, 35 minutes. That'll probably be how how it is, but um, a little bit shorter because we want you to go celebrate and have a good day, like I said at the top. But before that, before we get out of here, I want to say NFL Reaction Show. It's me and the captain just talking football. Trying to teach you something, trying to keep you up to date with everything going on with your team, why, what, where, how, all that kind of stuff for every game of the NFL, uh, except for Thursdays, because we cover that on this flagship show. But listen to that. That's on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, whenever you want to listen. Go ahead, hit up the NFL Reaction Show. And then, like I teased when One Thing in a Winter started, halfway results next week 
That's always a fun one. A lot of shit talking. So go ahead and listen to that. Other than that, find us on Twitter at bold underscore nonsense, Instagram at bold dot nonsense, or email us at boldnonsensepodcast at gmail.com. Expect the flagship show, this show, on Saturdays in the morning or the NFL reaction show during the season uh, on, like I said, Tuesdays. It, it'll be out Tuesdays, but you can listen Wednesdays when nothing's happening, uh, especially in sports radio. It's always a good time to fill in the gaps. But find us iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, wherever you want, and just interact with us however you can. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, hit us up on social media. We just like talking to people about sports. That's why we do this, and that's why we hope you all listen. And so go ahead and hit us up. Other than that, for at Still Smooth, much love. I'm at Walsh Disney. If you love it, love us. Make sure you have a good Halloween and stay safe. Make sure you stay safe. Uh, but with that, this is a Bold Nonsense Podcast. This is episode 133. This is your invitation to have a safe, healthy, but not too healthy because you should be gorging yourself on candy um, and stressing yourself out a little bit with scary movies. But other than that, healthy and fun Halloween. Just enjoy it. Enjoy your day, huh? And this is your invitation to stay senseless. Let's wrap it up. You have just partaken in a celebration most foul. Halloween, cause I've got some new ideas that will really make them scream. That's it. Happy Halloween, everyone. That's it.